Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. I, I guess you sensed my enthusiasm a little bit ago, um, and I, I've heard her once, and that's, I, I want you to hear what she has to say. Um, a great speaker, great, a great pastor, um, Reverend Dr. Weida Lee. Um, I, have, I was going to read, as I told the uh, 830 service, I have her bio here, and I, was, I started highlighting some of the things that I wanted you to know about her and realized that I needed to read the whole bio, because you need to know about her. Um, also, you can see I'm holding up a book here. She, she has written a book called Simply Pray. She has these available for us uh, on sale for $10 after the service today, so come down if you're interested in this. It looks to be a very interesting read. So here's her bio. Reverend Dr. Weida F. Lee is a retired elder of the North Texas Annual Conference. She is the former senior pastor of the Church of the Disciple located in DeSoto, Texas. Her work was known throughout the community because of her progressive and creative approach to ministry. She has a real passion for reaching the community for Christ and leads her congregation in facing the critical social ills that impede the growth of healthy families and communities. Dr. Lee honed her skills for ministry through serving as an associate senior associate pastor of St. Luke Community United Methodist Church and Hamilton Park United Methodist Church in Dallas. She is a visionary with a belief that through the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. It is her belief that the Great Commission, Go and Make Disciples, is the motivation for the formation of the ministry plan for the local church. During her tenure at the St. James and Haven uh, Chapel Charge of Sherman and Denison, the churches formed the Northtown Community Development Corporation, building a community playground for the children in this impoverished neighborhood and offered minor home repairs to homeowners. Through her community-focused leadership, the church sponsored a summer enrichment program for children, an annual community health fair and back-to-school festival, an annual trunk treat event, annual women and men's day celebrations, purity abstinence program for the youth, and domestic violence awareness community workshops. Amen. She served as a member of the Superintendent's Advisory Committee of the DeSoto Independent School District, spoke on a regular basis to the students through the career days and other campus events. She prayed regularly for the DeSoto City Council and the Dallas County Commissioner's Court. Her conference and past conference-related activities include Vice Chair of the Conference Leadership Team, Board of Ordained Ministry, Board of Trustees, Chair of the Sending Servants Team, Chair of the Ethnic Local Church Concerns Committee, Committee on Nominations, and Pastoral Mentor. She has preached in Zimbabwe, in Africa, for the African Clergy Consultation, preached and led a prayer conference in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, led a devotion in Thyra, I have terrible with that one, I'm sorry. Thyra, 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 thank you. I had trouble with that, brain lock on that one, Uh, which is the the place where Lydia um, uh, was baptized. 
preached for the South Central Jurisdictional Gathering of Women Clergy, New Orleans, Louisiana, and the National Organization of Black Clergy Women of the United Methodist Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and preached revivals in Nassau, Bahamas, and Oklahoma, and Women's Days in Kansas City, Missouri, Houston, Texas, and across the Dallas area. She is ecumenical in her outreach and has preached for the National Body of the Cumberland Presbyterians, the National Body of the African American Episcopal Zion Church, Baptist, non-denominational, Pentecostal, and Christian Methodist Episcopal. She has conducted numerous women's conferences and has taught many years in the United Methodist Schools of Christian Mission for the North Texas, Central Texas, and the Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church. She was the past Vice President of Communications for the African American Pastor Coalition, President of Black Clergy Women of the United Methodist Church, Chair of Nominations for the Board of Directors for the Methodist Children's Home, Board Director of the Dallas Area American Red Cross, Member of Keep DeSoto Beautiful Board, and Chaplain for the North Dallas Suburban Alumni Chapter of the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. Weta is a graduate of the Dallas Community, uh, County Community Colleges, the Dallas Baptist University, Bachelor of Business Management, Southern Methodist University, Perkins School of Theology with both a Master of Divinity and a Doctor of Ministry degrees. She was married to Mr. John Lee for 46 years, who preceded her in death, and they are the parents of three, three adults, one who preceded them in death, grandparents of six and great-grandparent of one. And again, as I mentioned, she'll have uh, books for sale on the narthex if you're interested in doing that. And I think you will be when you're done listening to her. Uh, would you please give her a, a great Roy City welcome today? Good morning, church. I ask you to forgive Dean for reading all of that, please. <laughs> I ask him not to. <laughs> but I am very thankful and feel very humbled to be in your midst this morning. Uh, Pastor Iverson, Chris, invited me to come and share because he knew I was retiring and am retired now. And uh, he, he uh, and I have been friends over the years, serving in the North Texas Annual Conference. So I come to you this morning with a great deal of gratitude, and I give thanks and praise to the Roy City Church for inviting me and allowing me this opportunity to share in your midst. Um, you know, when you're a full-time pastor, you don't get to get around and visit all of the churches and so, as a retired pastor, I don't have a schedule any longer. Uh, everybody else got appointed. No, not everybody, but everybody who wanted to, I suppose, got appointed to a new place to go and serve as a part-time pastor. I didn't ask for an appointment. I felt like I'd been working long enough. And so, I am just here to share with you as I am enjoying sharing around our North Texas Annual Conference. And so, my sisters and my brothers, Hear now the word of the Lord that comes to us from Psalms number 106, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good, and God's steadfast love endures forever. The subject that I've chosen for today, and I shared this with, with Pastor Chris, is that I wanted to speak about God is love. My experience, um, 
But before I go there, let me just pause for prayer. Would you bow with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks again for an opportunity to stand before your people and to attempt to break the bread of life as you have given it to me. Now, Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My experience in the United Methodist Church has been expansive, and it has allowed me to see the church in many forms and in many different places. And the conclusion of all of this for me is that God is love. God is love in the urban areas, the suburbs, the rural areas, and in the inner city. God is love in the wealthy churches, as well as the places of financial insecurity. God is love in places of struggle and challenge, as in Africa and in the Czech Republic, as well as places of prosperity, as in some places here in the North Texas Annual Conference, as is with you here in Royce City. My friends, God is love. I want to share with you that I have a unique connection to the Royce City community. It happened when I was about hmm, somewhere between 10 and 12 years of age. My family, which uh, we grew up in rural East Texas, down in Henderson, Texas, we would come here uh, in the East Texas area, the greater East Texas area, may I call it, Commerce and Cattle Mills and Greenville, and work the cotton fields. That was my early beginnings. I enjoyed uh, growing out of that time because it wasn't an easy time. Anyone who's ever worked the cotton fields know how long those rows were. There was never an ending. You grew up the row and then it took a terse, they called it, and went on around the corner. You thought you're never going to get to the end of it. But praise God, I survived. And so I'm here today to say that during that time, my family took me shopping, brought me to Roy City to go shopping. It was in the evening, and we came to the big city of Roy City to buy me a coat, a winter coat. And I'll never forget the dry goods store. I don't remember the name of it. Someone else here earlier this morning said, I know that family. They're no longer here, but I do know the store that you bought it from. Bought me the most beautiful little green chemise coat that I wore with such pride. And I will always remember Roy City for that shopping expedition. And as I drove into the city this morning, they said, be here about 8. And so I got here about 7.40. I said, I saw two cars, but I'm not going in yet. I'm going to see if I can find that store. So I drove back down in the big city of Roy City. And sitting over to the right, I believe, is the store that my coat was purchased in. So I have that fun connection. But then Pastor Everson says, you have another connection. We have a dear saint of our church who recently passed, whose name was Weta. So you'll get there and you'll find her name. And I was shown right in this corner over here is Weta's window. So I'm going to claim that for my window today. <laughs> my friends, I am thankful for the opportunity of having served the number of years that I've served the church. But what I want you to know before I even get into this sermon is that what I learned more than anything is about the love of God. 
serving the church. The church doesn't come without struggle. Church doesn't come without challenge. Church doesn't come without a little pain. But I don't, I don't charge any of that to God. I charge it to what I call life and all of life's realities. So, my friends, I believe that we live in a world that has gone wild. It's gone wild when the news media reports the number of senseless murders that take place on a daily basis without regard for human life. I believe the world has gone wild when I hear the number of domestic violence cases that occur in our community, in our homes, in our, among our families, among people who pledge themselves to love each other for the rest of their lives. The world has gone wild when children, innocent children, cannot even be treated by doctors who are assigned to treat their injuries are the trusted individuals who represent themselves as innocent when in reality they are violators, or when we gather in places of worship such as we are gathered this morning where innocent lives can be taken by some mentally challenged person who comes in with weapons to unsuspected people. My friends, can you believe that in the midst of all of these things that are so wild in our world that God is still love? You see, the book of Psalms, number 106, verse 1, from the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture records, Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good, because his faithful love endures forever. These words come out of the Psalms of Praise, which recount the miraculous delivery of Israel out of Egypt. These are words uh, of the psalmist that he recorded for people who observed firsthand what God was able to do. The writer of the text here is encouraging the Israelites to praise God who has always been there for them, even when they so often fell short of God's expectation. Does that remind you of us a little bit today? They knew and understood what it felt like to have been given their freedom and then chased down to the Red Sea in an apparent attempt to reclaim them into slavery only to have God do the impossible and allow the sea to open and allow them to walk through on dry land and then consume the enemies. My friends, this is a real God. This is a God of love. This is a God of peace who loves unconditionally. These words were written about a God who can see the impossible doom that is pending, in, but who opens the possibilities of what God and only God has the capacity to do. And I believe that in order to see this God and receive this God and accept God for the things that God is able to do, one has to truly get to know who God is. My friends, God is known to be omnipotent, meaning that God is almighty, having unlimited authority. God is omniscient, possessing complete knowledge and insight. God is omnipresent, 
God is present in all places and at all times. God is immutable, not capable, nor susceptible to change. And the greatest part of all is that God is love. And scripture teaches us in 1 John these words, 1 John 4 and 8, if you don't have love, you don't have God because God is love. And God so loved the world that God gave God's one and only son that whoever would just attempt to believe would not perish but have eternal life. And you know, I like the next verse even better. It says that God did not send God's son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through God could be saved. That gives me hope in the midst of troubling times. God made it possible that whoever you are, we are, and whatever it is that you or I have done, we have the opportunity to come home to our God. We serve a God who looks beyond all of our faults and sees the depth of the needs that are in our lives. Our God extends grace and mercy to each of us because it is God's great desire to have a relationship with each of us. In a world that has gone wild, as so many of us experience, it is good news for all to know that it is impossible for one to fall beneath the grace of God. It is good news to know that God cares about you and all that you are going through and invites each of us to come closer to me and get to know me in personal ways. Getting to know God requires faith. Faith, that inexplicable action of belief, trust, and conviction in the person of God as in Christ as the only means of salvation, forgiveness of sin, and guarantee of eternal life. And at the church where I serve for 13 years, we'd like to say, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to mountains in your life and they will move out of your way. Now, I know for those of us who, who have these logical minds, that sounds so foolish to say I can speak to a mountain and a mountain moves. Well, I'm so glad that it only asks for a mustard seed size faith because if it had said you need a mountain sized faith, I would not have made it. But I believe that I can place a mustard seed size of faith on any issue, any concern, any sickness, any demon in hell. I can put a mustard seed on it, and I believe that God will see me through. And you know what? I know you all know about seeds, especially if you grew up around here. Because as I was driving in this morning, I saw the remnants of cotton gins here. And cotton gins mean you planted seeds of cotton, right? Well, maybe you've forgotten, but I haven't forgotten those cotton fields. And neither have I forgotten a seed. And God says, all you need is faith the size. Do you all know how tiny a mustard seed is? The size of a mustard seed. Faith allows us to hear the word of the Lord and wonder. I wonder if that's true. For youth, it is like studying your homework assignment and then taking a test that you are uncertain about what the questions are going to be. For us as adults, 
It is like wondering if the word of the Lord is true. And then you make it on down the road as far as I have, 70 years, and you will say to yourself, 20, 30, 50 years later, realizing that your walk of faith has opened many doors in your life. Why? Why are the doors open? Why have you been able to survive and sustain and even prosper in times like these? Because faith leads to belief and belief to trust in God. And may I share another word with the, that I shared with the Church of the Disciple for so many years, and it's scriptural. I once was young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging for bread. I thank God that God has taught me in the way God has surrounded me. And I'm no special individual. I am just an ordinary child of God. So I, as being a student that went through high school and through college, I had a poem that I, that I really loved because poetry was introduced to me when I was about 16 years old in high school. Well, I heard about it earlier, but I had to learn this poem at about 16. And if you will allow me, I will share that with you this morning. It is a poem by the poet Robert Frost, and it's entitled, The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood, and I looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there, had warned them both about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step, had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, but knowing how way leans, leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. And I shall be telling this, not the 12-year-old, but the 70-year-old, ages and ages hence. Two roads diverge in a wood, and I took the one less travel, and that has made all of the difference. Robert Frost penned those words, and, and, and theologians are imagining today as well as theorists and, and those who are just questioning minds, inquiring minds. Why did he write this poem? But for me, I have attempted to relate this poem as a way of understanding how God works and moves in our lives. Does God really love me and have new possibilities for my journey? And I believe, my friends, that it takes faith and a life that has been lived in a bit of mystery, belief, and trust in God who is love. Earlier you heard uh, my friend, I've adopted him as my friend Dean, reading my resume. He said, I have to read this. And I, I was questioned at the end of the service, how in the world did you do all of this and have three children and work a full-time job? Well, listen, my weeks had no ends. They were circular. For over five years as I, as I finished seminary, 
But I want to share with you that in order for me to get my first college degree, it was 20 years after high school graduation. We don't always start off where we're going. Sometimes we really don't know where we're going. We're just so busy living life and going about our journey. But I will tell you that I was a young working mother and a wife with three young children when I graduated Dallas Baptist University 20 years after high school in 1987. But it was my last semester that really got me. I was completely out of funds. And a dear friend said to me, go anyway. I said, well, how can I go when I have no money? She said, go anyway. The Lord will provide. We've all heard that, haven't we? So I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But I was sitting at work one day. I worked for city government in Dallas for 25 years. And I said to a coworker, you know, this is my last semester. And I have absolutely no money to go back to school. And I have to graduate. That faith said to me, you're going to do it. Just keep trying. And I'm not sure who I'm speaking to this morning, but there's bound to be someone here who has desires and goals and ambitions in their lives that they have not yet accomplished. And maybe you even think it's too late to do it. May I tell you, it's never too late. Further with the story, I'm telling my coworker, I need to go back for my last semester, but I have no money. And she said, Weta, did you forget that you just finished a semester of school and you have a $500 tuition reimbursement payment coming? I'm going to write a letter for you. Oh, okay, I'm going to take this letter and I'm going to go to registration, and I'm going to go to the head of the line and say, I have a letter here. Can you tell me if you're going to accept this? And they said, oh, no, you go get in line and get your classes. I had the painful misery, fear I want to call it, of walking through that line, picking up every course schedule, and I got to the head of the line, and they said to me, how are you going to pay for this? I couldn't speak, you all. I was too afraid they were going to say no. My shaking hands handed them the envelope, and the man opened the letter, and he read it, stamped it approved. Why do I tell you this story, my friends? I tell you that story because faith is not the absence of fear. It is being fearful and doing it anyway. Being fearful and doing it anyway, I stepped up. He accepted my letter. I got my bachelor's degree. May I tell you, I walked in a door that's probably about as tall as those doors over there that night in 1987, and my head was so high, I felt like it was touching the door. I was so excited. That's what God wants to do in all of our lives. God wants to send excitement and joy and peace and love for one another. My friends, this morning, 
As we give thanks to the Lord, as a final reminder, God's steadfast love endures forever. Even in this world that is going wild. When Brother Dean read about my facing domestic violence, I was not willing to know that people were being beaten in the community and not bring it to the attention of the community. Church is not about just sitting in this building. Church is about living life out loud and getting out on the forefront where action is going on and making a difference. Doesn't always mean you have to shout it from a megaphone or you don't even have to preach it from the pulpit, but you must live the life of love wherever you go. So even in this world going wild, even in the midst of changing times in the church and the many issues that are confronting the church, we can still rely on the steadfast love of the Lord. Even as evil raises its ugly head and seeks to destroy peace and harmony in our world, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. I have to share this because it just popped in my mind. I, apparently, God is needing me to say this. When I was serving in Sherman, Texas, that was my very first appointment, I was going out to the shelters, the women's shelters, and I saw women who were 70 years old with broken collarbones because in their homes, they were still living in domestic violence situations. And as I one day was invited to go downtown and stand with a woman who was so afraid of her former spouse that she might lose her life, they asked courageous women to come and stand with her. We have to be concerned one for the other because the love of God encourages us, strengthens us, so I'm wondering, could it be that God is, is nudging us, trying our faith, and seeking to bring us to a new level of our faith? Those things, through the things that we have never experienced? I am reminded that, that when the women who wanted to speak out in the Me Too movement, there were people who wanted them to be silent but they kept moving forward and speaking their truth and others finally heard. Could we possibly begin to speak that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, during our recreational time until the world would hear with new ears that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Is it possible that we could speak those words until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream? Is it possible for me to walk down this road of life and begin a new journey as a retired pastor and still know that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever? Or you may say to yourself, you see, I'm going to, to try to see the goodness of the Lord in my situation. 
Are you aware that there are times when we are going through our personal struggles that God is inviting you to put your faith in action? And though you cannot see it, but you begin to trust that even in your personal situation, God's steadfast love has been enduring in my life for a long time. Suppose we take that step of faith as we each begin to speak in chorus, God's steadfast love endures forever. And we can say together, God is love. Will you say that with me this morning? Just tolerate me and, and say it along with me. God is love. One more time. God is For the Holy Spirit, God is love. Amen. The poet Ella Wilcox said, One ship sails east and another west by the selfsame wind that blows. It's the set of the sails and not the gale that determines the way we go. My sisters, my brothers, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And you are invited to live into that love in your daily life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let the people of God say, Amen.